Shavi, welcome to the show. Tony, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It was nice catching up with you a little bit before we started recording. It's good to get a good um, indication of, you know, who you are and all that good stuff. But with that said, let's dive right into it. Tell us how you want to open this up with. Give us a one word you can use right now to describe how you're feeling as we kick this off. Well, if I were to summarize what I'm feeling right now, it's fantastic. So glad to be here. Feeling fantastic right now. Awesome. Take the next few minutes. Tell us about you know, who you are, what you stand for as a person, professionally speaking, and also tell us about your business, the past, present, and future. I know it's a lot. It might take you a whole five minutes to uh, you know, go through all that, but please go right ahead. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'm a person who has done a lot of things in the past, but always there's been one guiding principle, which is to build something that people want. And that's been a driving force all throughout. So I started early on in my career with uh, doing stuff that was always in the mix of technology and finance and some of the other fields. I never went too deep into one single uh, industry, but technology has played a very key role all throughout my career. And all that I've done over the last few years is try to learn how to build something that people want. I began as a, a person who was building SaaS applications in a bank without, before SaaS was a world, but I got to learn a lot about that as well. And then moved on to a role in a venture capital firm where I got a chance to work with founders firsthand, try to learn what they were building. It was actually fascinating, but also at the same time, revealing about the fact that if you're not in the weeds and building something, you're probably not doing yourself a favor. So that was a very very fantastic uh, time of my life and I was working with founders very closely at, as an investor and then went on to do an MBA and long story short I joined a bank did some investment banking learned a lot about finance but the, the tech bug had already bitten me I wanted to do something and build something and that's what got me to to start flight uh, I had always been playing around with ideas but never had uh, my finger on something that I felt really had value until I came across the idea of flight, which came from a, a common friend. So I also believe in making the most sort of any serendipitous opportunity that comes along your way. And that's what happened with flight as well. It was a very casual conversation with a friend who was complaining about, he's a salesperson, he was complaining about the fact that he doesn't like taking notes and doing admin work. He just wants to sell, sell, and sell, which made total sense. But as a techie, I felt like we could build something that would be useful. And that's what sparked this whole journey. We went on, my co-founder and I went on a journey of validating the idea of building an MVP, the whole nine yards of building a startup. And lo and behold, in a short span of time, we've done a lot in terms of building a product that is fascinating and the, that people in the market are really valuing and using, and also building a company from ground up in a way, shape, or form that we, my co-founder and I, we prefer to have. So we built it in a way that listens to the market and tries to help salespeople. We are still in touch with that individual. Obviously, he's a common friend of ours who's been helping us along the way as well as we validate what we build. So long story short, someone who always wanted to build something that was of use learned along the way the skills necessary to build something, came across an idea through a friend and continue to build something that people want. And that's what brings me here to your, to your podcast today. Awesome. What an exciting story. I just, you know, I can't get over it. That's awesome. And let's dive a little bit deeper into your company. So when you say that your conversational intelligence 
for sales teams. Can we dive a little bit deeper into that so we could have a better understanding of what that means and how it helps sales teams? Yes, sure, absolutely. I'm glad you asked that question. So if you were to look at a salesperson's job from a very fundamental level, you realize they're actually doing their job and they're talking to a client. Anything else they do during a day is just to get to that part. So what we realized as someone who's building a conversational AI too was that we need to apply conversational AI to a conversation that's of value. And when we rank every conversation that usually professionals have during their day, salesperson talking to a client comes really high in terms of value. There's a ton of information being exchanged usually between a salesperson and a client. The client is giving really rich and informative in, uh, signals to the to the to the rep. The salesperson is trying to position their product, trying to understand the problem that the client is facing. So it's rich in information. So as someone who's who's building conversational AI, I felt like this this would be a prime area to focus on and build something that would be of value. And that's proven to be correct when we showcase our product and showcase the value add to sales folks. They realize even though they usually speak 80% of the time when they're speaking with a customer, they would love to be able to tell what was that 80% uh, all about? Was, what was the client trying to tell me, even if they didn't tell me directly? Can I look back at my conversation in an effective way and be able to learn what the customer was saying and then be a better salesperson next time around? That's essentially the driving force behind all the conversational AI that we've built so far. Interesting. From your experience, what's the top three things you notice that sales reps are making, like mistakes-wise? So what are the top three mistakes? Like, you know, like you said, there's meaningful conversations that are being had and maybe they're not tuning in because they're too worried about their pitch or they have a pitch deck they're trying to follow, which I don't recommend, right? The pitch deck doesn't do the selling, right? You have to do the selling yourself, but you have to listen. Yeah, It's like the 80-20 rule. You have to, like you you touched on it a little bit there, but I think the prospect, my professional opinion, should do 80% of the talking, generally speaking, right? So you could pick up and provide a solution to make sure it's a fit. But from your point of view, just tell me the top three mistakes that you see a lot of sales reps make and how you come in and help. Sure, absolutely. Um, so one of the top things we notice when we apply conversational AI to a sales conversation is you mentioned this, the talk ratio, the fact that salespeople end up speaking about 80% of the time in a sales, sales conversation. You can't blame them. It's their job. They day in and day out. They're very passionate about what they're selling. So they end up speaking a lot. Now, what that does is it, a, it sounds salesy to the other side. And also the, the customer is there to kind of also share their pain points. So it's a job of salesperson to listen and to absorb and then tweak their messaging accordingly. If, if, the sales, if the customer is telling you something and you just brush that aside waiting for your next line in your pitch, then you're not a salesperson. So one is talking ratio. Talk ratio is very helpful. But a lot of salespeople, when they look at the insights that we generate and they realize that they've been speaking 80, 90% of the time, it's a learning for them and they try to tweak that and bring it down to a more balanced 50-50. Now, the other stuff we've noticed a lot is that 
Many times sales folks are also asking probing questions to the customer to try and get some qualification out of them to try and understand the business, but they don't really follow up on the answers to dig deeper and really understand. And that's what differentiates a good salesperson from a not so good person. And our AI is able to capture Q&A from any conversation, not just the question, but also the answer. So when they look at the insights eventually, and they're able to clearly see this is what I was asking. This is what the customer was responding. They can clearly understand what the customer was saying. Now, being able to uh, free up time and mind space to not have to take notes helps them as well. So when they ask the right question and they listen to the answer, they are able to engage better with the customer and our, our, our tool is able to help them. The third thing I would say is engagement itself. So we've created our, our algorithms that can give a, an engagement score to any conversation. And we've built it proprietarily, but we've built it with the feedback from salespeople. And that can tell if the conversation was engaging or not. Were you like taking turns in speaking? Were you speaking almost the same amount of time? Were you showing curiosity or not? These are some of the behavioral things that slip through the cracks when you're in the motion of selling. But looking at that performance after a sales call is tremendously helpful for salespeople. One of the great things about targeting sales folks as customers is that they are hungry to learn. They're always ambitiously trying to improve themselves. So if our, our tool is able to give them uh, some of those uh, pointers that they can uh, incorporate in their sales pitches next time around, they find it extremely useful and we find it extremely satisfying to be able to have added that value to those sales folks. Wow, that's exciting. Um, something that showed up for me I wanted to ask you is do you help, does your AI help in real time or is it like a post-call analysis that they could access to see what you know, the results were from your AI? Uh, I'm actually glad that you asked that. This is something that we've been asked a few times. We have deliberately decided to build it in a way that's not synchronous, that doesn't happen in real time. So flight looks at all the conversation at the end of the conversation and then gives insight after the fact. And we do that consciously because we don't want the salesperson to be distracted with things that we are able to analyze during a conversation. We want the salesperson to be focused squarely on the customer at the time of the meeting. Now that happens through two ways. One, you don't have to take any more like notes. So the salesperson can literally look the person in the eye and have a conversation without worrying about missing on a key information. The other thing is we don't want to like whisper in the ears of a, a rep while they're having a conversation. It just distracts them and tries, sometimes trips them off balance. We want them to learn after the fact and then incorporate those learnings the next time around. So it looks, it, it's a lot more natural when you have a well-trained salesperson looking at the customer in the eye and having a conversation being present at the moment. So we try not to be real time. We try to do it after the fact. So we prepare them for the next meeting, but not interfere during the meeting. Awesome. Because let's face it, there are one call closes in certain industry when it makes sense and stuff like that, but those are rare. But you're right. A lot of this calls, I mean, from my experience of being in sales over 20 years, um, it's always in a follow-up, right? So now if you're, with your tool, they have something meaningful that, that they could revisit on their follow-up, right? Whether it's email or phone call or in person, they could, you, you could, they could tap into your uh, AI to get that data. So I would love to hear about um, the lift that you guys are helping 
with the sales teams in terms of are you seeing faster sales cycle time? Are you seeing higher close rates? Like what are the common things that people experience when they start using your service? That's that's a fantastic question as well. So there are three different impacts that we are able to bring to, to the sales team when we implement flight uh, in its full glory. The first thing you'll notice is as a salesperson, because you don't have to take notes anymore, notes get automatically created and uh, they're shared into, into CRM right away automatically. What that means is saving time for the salesperson. And it might not seem much, but it's actually about a year, an hour, hour and a half every day. That's like seven to eight hours every week saved by the salesperson not having to do manual note taking. What that means is the salesperson can dial more numbers, make more calls and be able to sell more without having to expand the pipeline overall. So that's one that we're seeing a lot more call volume because of the fact that they're saving time. The second value add we see is obviously because we're also providing insights. The salespeople, when they come on calls, they're able to sell better because of the fact that they've had that coaching. They've seen their previous conversations. They've seen the, the objections that are being raised and how are they handling it. They can learn from each other if they find some other rep in the same team is able to handle an objection better. So overall, for the same number of calls, they are able to close more and go to the next level in the opportunity because of the fact that they've been trained. So that's the second objective. And then the third one overall is the fact that there's also a deal intelligence aspect to fight where we analyze the whole sales deal pipeline in a company. And we have our own algorithms that can then anticipate what the expected revenue are going to be. And we're able to highlight risks in a deal based on what's going on in a deal. So for instance, uh, if there aren't enough uh, stakeholders involved in a deal, or if you, there hasn't been enough activity, or if the, the sentiment has been going down, if there's been too much discussion on pricing and you so on and so forth, we are able to then provide uh, red flags to a deal that a sales leader or a rep can take some actions on to prevent that. So we're able to help close more deals without having to expand the pipeline. We don't ask our customers to spend more on expanding and getting more prospects in. We don't ask our customers to hire more sales rep without doing any of those two things. You just broaden your sales funnel at the bottom end and are able to just funnel more deals through the pipeline because of the fact that A, you have more time, B, you're better prepared, and C, you know beforehand if a deal is about to slip through the cracks and take some remedial actions because of that. These are the three things we've seen in our customers benefit from. Beautiful. If you could take this opportunity to give out your website address, that way our listeners, if they have any information they want to find out about you, they know, they'll know how to find you. Just go and give out your website address. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So we are on uh, flightai.com, F-L-Y-T-E-A-I.com. And uh, that's where you'll find everything. If you don't find uh, the website, go to my LinkedIn. You can find me at C-H-H-A-V-I, Shavi, S-I-N-G-H. Uh, on LinkedIn, and I would love to connect with anyone who's interested in learning more. All right, Shavi, here we are at the end. Can you give, sign us off with a one-word close? Um, I would say adios and have a great day. <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much. I appreciate, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Tony. Thank you.